welcome back to the glue guys this is mike here say hello brian hello check us out on twitter at bkglueguysnetsdaily.com almighty baller brian the nets are back they truly are this time wow it wow it feels like you know i mean having richard jefferson back <laughs> in 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 alliance with with the team and it just feels like we're on the up and up again all of a sudden doesn't it feel that way Mike? i mean we're they're an ascendant broadcast team they're an ascendant team to watch it is an exciting time to be a nets fan brian and also an exciting time to podcast about the nets because this team is just so there's just so much to talk about oh my gosh it's crazy brian i just <laughs> i just can't you guys have to see i mean just you know breaking the fourth wall here <laughs> the the state of disrepair that mike is in he's in full like how many months now with the baby um almost five getting close to five, five. months he's in full like derangement like he looks as insane as he feels finally <laughs> that's so well, what's good, good. is so I, i'm sure you didn't see this but like bradley beal came out and said that he gained something like 20 pounds of fat because his girlfriend i think it was his girlfriend was going was pregnant and there's like you know sympathy weight like you mm. while your spouse or your partner is pregnant you end up gaining weight i've I don't even think I get I don't even deserve to even classify it as sympathy weight. It's just me just being lazy and deciding this is like I've gained some weight. Uh, don't sell yourself short. I've I mean I've been putting on sympathy weight for like ten years. This is <laughs> it's it is difficult. Katie, my my wife, um, eats whatever she wants and is and is pretty much you know, she just eats grilled cheeses all the time. And so I eat like, cheeses you know, pickles, 20, right? What's the twenty five percent of the grilled cheeses that she has and I'm a disgusting monster, so you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? Um, <laughs> so the Nets are back, Brian. The Nets, yeah. I think we both, we pretty much strategically figure out when we're going to do pods. And it was a safe bet that if we did a pod after the Cavs game, that it would probably be after a win. But that wasn't guaranteed. Um, it was sort of weird in the preseason that there was a lot of like, the Cavs will probably still be in the playoffs just because of, quote, infrastructure. The fact that they had mm. been like a playoff team all those years with LeBron, and um, <laughs> and that no. they would like still yeah. be good, like there's the residual effect of them being so good that they would continue to be good. I don't think they're that good, Brian. I have there's so many players on that team that I just wouldn't want to have to suffer through, like George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson. Like those those three guys alone, like their game is so like sort of faux good in a way that. I mean, J.R. Uh, Smith. I mean, you know, I love Jr. But <laughs> you do, you do love Jr. Smith against against your. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you've often wanted Jr. Smith for this. Yeah, team. I did, I did want the, when he was sort of had that contract dispute like, with the Cavs. I was I was like, why not throw him a contract, man? Is is some unmanageable craziness? That's what this team could really use. A dose. Um, they actually could, and that's why they have Rodion Karutz because he is unmanageable mm. craziness in a different way. Um, yeah. yeah, and like Tristan Thompson, who I can't even remember him making really any plays last night. Besides, I think he made a few in the first quarter, and that was it. He was done. He was doing his his offensive rebounding thing, but anytime he makes any kind of decision on offense, whether it's a pass or a shot, it's perilous. It looks so like if it if it goes off without a hitch, it's like a, a small win, <laughs> even if it's like a, it's just a you know hit pass or something. And, um, and that's sort of like he, the, yeah. the important mark to t- point out about Jared Allen is that like Jared Allen could be better and should be better scoring around the rim because he still misses some some bunnies as they say. But like he 
he has shown that sort of innate sense of basketball ability to get into the lane, spin around, and put the ball into the bucket. Where like Tristan Thompson, who is like can be a valuable player on a team, he's not worth the money he's getting paid. But like he just is never going to be you know more than what he is right now, which is just an offensive rebounding should be energy guy. But like. At this point, there's not that much energy. You know, it was and, and like in the game, and Richard Jefferson, and we'll talk about his debut as a Yes Network broadcaster, um, he was pointing out that Kevin Love didn't have a shot in, I think, the entire third quarter. And until he came in in, like, the middle of the fourth quarter, it was the first time he took a shot in that game. And if it's like, you're not, if you're not feeding Kevin Love, then what's the point of it all? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the point of it all? Richard Jefferson, um, hey, by the way. Yeah, that was good. I just do want to do some quick takes before we jump into oh, that. Sure. Um, I mean, I hate to. I, we were we were wrong about something here, Mike. Mm, um, never, never. What were never. we may or may not be wrong about it. Maybe going for I don't know. But I kind of like watching Jared Dudley. Okay, <laughs> I'm, that was one of my takes yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah, he does a lot of really funny. Uh, like cheese plays that I can really get behind. And he also like makes his, his corner threes, which, you know, what's not to love about that. But like, there was a couple plays, like one in particular sticks out of my head where it was a pretty like, um, like rangy rebound that was like obviously going to go to Kevin Love. And he just kind of like snuck in behind him and stuck his face like into Kevin Love's like arms effectively <laughs> just at the right, right time when he was pulling it down and drew a an over the back foul which like was completely manufactured and like that was his his intention the entire time and just like little crafty plays like that where you're just like sacrificing your face for you know from Kevin Love like I you know it's hard not to really appreciate that kind of thing and like with that starting lineup that that has now I think now that it's going to be set because obviously Rondé just came back and there's a chance he's going to get back into the starting lineup in some way but like you do have Lavert who's on fire D'Angelo who had his best game of the season last night even though it wasn't it felt better than I think it really was if you look back his his field goal percentage was still pretty bad, and yeah, he had, he did have eight assists to one turnover, so it was his best sort of ball handling game. But you have D'Angelo, Levert, Joe Harris, who you know that's my boy, that's my guy, love him to death. He, I think, fits better with the starting lineup than Alan Crabb does because Joe Harris is more likely to like drive to the basket and make a quick cut, where Alan Crabb is more of the Corver type, where he has to sort of get around a bunch of screens, so that sort of stagnates the offense. And you have Jared Allen, of course, pick and roll. Like, Jared Dudley fits in with all that group because he's never going to really need the ball. The only time he's going to really get the ball is sort of like when he's in the corner, wide open for three, which should happen, you know, about three times a game this season, which is a good amount. Um, And on defense, he just does his, as you said, sack of potato defense, you know, Mm -hmm. just like slapping himself on the back of another guy and like kind of just like being in the way. And that yeah, this team needs weighing that him down. He just looks just looks exhausting. Um, <laughs> I'm with you, man. Yeah, Jared Dudley. I'm like I'm yeah. back on the Jared Dudley train, dude. 100. percent And he also does really funny celebrations and stuff. He just seems like a funny a funny bro. Like I also love how like conspicuously he's gearing up for a post NBA career in broadcasting. Like anytime anyone asks him a question, he launches into the most hilariously like you know, yes, network ready <laughs> responses to, to everybody. Like talking about like Jared Allen, he'll launch into a, a, a you know, 
a, a lengthy diatribe about about his potential in a way that like very few players are are you know into or wanting to spend their time doing. Well, and it's like, um, and, and this happens all the time. It's like I was watching Kobe Bryant was on um, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and you know, like Kobe's not like a boring person in general. Like he he's can be interesting, but when you're at that level, he there's like a certain like athlete swagger that these guys have where they like they don't come to you they're not going to be throwing jokes out there they're like kind of boring in conversation where jared dudley has evolved over time from being like the star at boston college to realizing oh crap i'm not that good and just has figured out like oh i need to i need to be something else if i'm going to continue in basketball and the something else he's decided to be is like this emerging media personality on twitter and obviously Mm. you know he's going to be hired by nba tv and whatever right. happens um can we also talk about <clears throat> something you're maybe going to be right about mike oh, just to oh, give please. you a little compliment sandwich yes. here um so alan crab mm. so there's there's more <laughs> it's i'm not happy it's hard this, to by the way yeah nobody's happy about this but like here's the thing about like so joe harris is about to take that position right he's about to be the starter because joe harris is playing amazingly well um, and not just because he's shooting like lights out. It's just he like is active in a way that Alan Crabb just can't ever be at this point in his career. He's got more dimensions to his game. He can he can cut and pass and do you know cool stuff <laughs> <laughs> stuff you've never you never really see Alan Crabb doing. Alan Crabb does not he's not a playmaker at all. He doesn't have any of those instincts. And it's really hard when he's in the game because you know that. When the ball ends up in his hands, it's going to end up in a shot, and so far that shot has been really not there. Um, and it's just not the way that this team seems to be orchestrated at, at present. You know, like that game last night was pretty, you know, masterful diving, cutting, passing kind of exercises all last night. Um, and Alan Crabb could only like kind of watch, you know, uh, from the outside. Um, so I'm worried about this dude, man. Well, I mean, Anthony Puccio tweeted out that he had a good point that, like, Crab had, a, what, an ankle injury or whatever, and, um, you know, your ankle is attached to your leg, uh, breaking news, and that has something to affect your shot, your lift on your shot, that if you're a jump shooter like Alan Crab, you have to rely on jumping, and to rely on jumping, you need your ankle, and if your ankle is not great, uh, it's going to be hard for you to get off your shot in a really clear way. It's just, uh, you know what, it, it's almost like a benefit that Alan Crabb didn't start the season as the starter, that he was out, because it allowed Joe Harris to become the starting shooter on the team, and he really just fits way better with that first lineup. Like, like yeah, if, if Alan Crabb is firing off at 45%, then that makes him very, you know, deadly from deep and all that stuff, and that, that does help out these guys like Levert and D'Angelo who want to drive to the rim. But Joe Harris is right there with them, wanting to drive to the rim, making those crisp cuts, and he he makes a lot of sense in the starting lineup. He also isn't terrible defensively. Neither is Alan Crabb, and if like you know, it gives Crabb a little bit more time because the pressure should be off of him if he's riding with bench units. Now that stinks. He's getting paid nineteen million dollars a year, and he's a bench shooter. Um, yeah, that stinks. But you know, this team, the pressure on this team isn't massive, so it does give Alan Crabb hopefully. <laughs> you know, 10 to 15 games to sort of work his stuff out with shooting. And maybe he will then, you know, rise up and shooting well. But it's, it's, 
the problem with him, unlike Joe Harris, or unlike really anyone else, is that if he's not hitting his shot, then like there's just not much he's gonna do. Like you're saying, there's no playmaking there. There's no like like even like Spencer Dinwiddie, who takes way too many threes for a guy who's like not that good of a three point shooter. At least he's doing other things on the floor that you don't even almost think about it. Alan Crabb's yeah. shooting twenty three percent from three. And that's the only shot he takes, basically. Um, yeah. And, and if you look at his other stats, it's like one assist, one rebound. It's, you know, nothing. It, nothing. It's in the territory. that And, that you know, so that's the problem with relying on three-point shot so much, like in, like, today's NBA, quote-unquote. It's like if you have a guy, you elevate a guy to a certain point of his career because he was at one point an elite three-point shooter, like Alan Crabb was – but you kind of disregard the fact that he doesn't really do anything else for your team. If he's not doing the one thing he's good at, then he becomes sort of a drag out there. Um, and the, the part of the other problem is that you have to keep feeding him shots. You like have to give Alan Crabb shots because if you're not giving him shots, then he's not do- like he has no shot of ever doing anything for you, right? So like they kind of have to ride along with this beginning cold streak. They're just going to have to like keep giving him shots and let him you know, miss three-pointer after three-pointer, hoping that it turns around. Um, It's just, it just fits into this, like, perfectly into all the criticisms we've had of of Alan Crabb in the past. Like, we have to wait months for him to, like, come to a boil and and then have, like, that one game of, like, 30 points, and then it's back to, like, the beginning uh, of the cycle. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't feel like it's... It doesn't, honestly, it's beginning to not feel fair to people like like Joe Harris that he like presumably was going to be slotted behind Alan Crabb in you know a couple of weeks or after after a couple of twenty point games or something from Alan Crabb like that very well might be the end of Joe Harris's you know starting position if he's going to have one yeah and and like you know this is early in the season it's like the small sample size like theater you know it's just like everything is like is it though is it it fits the pattern of of last it, year to a T it does and the Nets really and like grand scheme of things you know the Nets really do need Alan Crabb to be good because he's he's like the only player on this team that is that besides guys on rookie contracts who are guaranteed to be here next year right the only way he's not on here next year is if they use their own first round pick or the Nuggets first round pick that they got uh and by the way the Nuggets are off to a pretty strong start so that first round pick I mean this is early but you know that could not be as good as it we once thought it was going to be um like they'll need to attach that first round pick or their the Nets first round pick to Allen Crabb to get him off the team, you know, and also they need to do that to free up cap space if they really do want two max guys. And that, that's a whole other baloney conversation that we can't really have right now. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, not to, not to harp on it too much, but I think like maybe the real, like the issue is also kind of like nobody has a bad game quite like Allen Crabb has a bad game, (laughs) you know, like a bad game for him is so disastrous. It's like, um, yeah, it's really it's really remarkable. Like last night, 0 for seven, one rebound, two assists in eighteen minutes of play, and it really and, devastatingly and like, bad. <laughs> visually, watching the game, yeah. it's so obvious when we get to an Alan Crab moment, right? It's like we can see him curling around a screen. He gets open. Mm. He is really. I mean, like that should not be. The, the Alan Crab plays are so like Alan. You can see them. You know, building from a mile yes. away. It's unbelievable. It's, it's yeah. like off in the distance in like a Mad Max movie. You can see that war rig coming through the desert. I'm like, oh, it's coming. It's gonna be here. 
But except when he shows up, it's the guy in the guitar, you know, playing the guitar. It's not like yeah. it's not like the, any of like the badass warrior dudes. It's just, just like yeah, he like whatever his name is. I know it's like a really hilarious name too. Just like runs over a landmine or something and explodes yeah. before anything. <laughs> you just see Alan Crabb like working around two different screens, serpentine motion around the, the court. And the again, guitar. credit to him because he does know how to do that. Like that is that is a skill to be able to get open on screens. But he gets open and he has that form. The distinct sort of like dead eye shooter form, and he lifts up in the air and fires the shot, and then you're just like, please just go in, like for because it's almost become to the point where, and like we'll move on from Alan Crabb because, you know, there's so much good stuff to talk about with this team, but um, it's almost to the point where like, uh, for for me, I feel sympathetic to him because he knows that his value is tied up every time he shoots a three point shot, his value is tied up at it going in, and. You can tell that, you can see it on his face, and when it doesn't go in, which it never really does, it goes in 23% of the time, um, it damages his, you know, value to this team. But, whatever. Um, yeah. But hey, we're still optimistic. I mean, we're, we, we, you know, we're not trying to dog Alan Crabb here, it's just, we're just talking. We're just yeah, talking. Yeah, talking shop. Um, yeah. I do want to, I mean, so, qu- let's, let's do a quick re- Richard Jefferson, and let's then expand out to a couple more players on the team and you know sort of look through mm. the past week that it's happened so far oh, great great oh great I yeah that. um richard jefferson was had his broadcast debut for yes network in terms of on game calling in-game analysis last night uh rave reviews brian rave reviews people are already worried he's gonna get swiped away by espn or tnt um what stood out to you from your richard jefferson experience last night yeah um yeah, he's good. The guy's good. He's uh he's he's um yeah, we're going to have a hard time keeping him around. Um I quite enjoyed it. I liked his, you know, he's got great little insights. He's he's so close to the game still that he's like you can tell like got a, a ton of funny things to say about just about everybody that's on the court at any given time. Um yeah, it's uh it's a good fit and he's got immediately, you know, good rapport with Ian Eagle. Um yeah, I mean, it, What's not to it like? was funny is because Richard kept asking Ian Eagle, like, different points of the game, what do you, Ian Eagle, think of this? And you could tell Ian, like, that's not mo- – that's really no play-by-play guy's, like, bag. You know, that's like none of them like to really analyze the game in any way. They just like to, to tell you what's happening <laughs> as it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. And also there were points when you could tell when he – because, like, Richard Jefferson just had a lot to say. There was just a lot that he was going to get out. And he he had thoughts about, and this is like awesome because most of the time you have an announcer who has no thoughts, who has no like thoughts beyond like, you see that screen there, that screen made the play. Like that is what you're used to hearing. And Richard Jefferson had like just a ton of thoughts, but he had so many thoughts that there were times when he would still be talking about something that happened like two plays ago while plays were happening. You know, He, he like just wanted to continue to talk about moments and see like what that were happening during the game i loved it you know i mean i love that like yeah i I like the the conversational stuff is where i you know i see sort of media headed anyways so he's you know uh he's from podcast land you know (laughs) so that's where he got his his (laughs) cut his teeth um but yeah he's got the gift of gab he kind of reminds me of me in that uh he'll say something he'll like make a prediction and then it'll be like you know 
transparently incorrect and he'll just be moving the goalposts back while it's happening when he was like see the eight minute mark here like that the game's over you only have to like put in that amount of work like and then like at the six minute mark they put the starters back in he's like yep see exactly like (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly we've seen this before uh this is like the second baby it's just like i was like oh Oh, the second baby was uh yeah phenomenal (laughs) the the tension in the room was palpable as he was talking about how it's easy to give birth uh, and I enjoy it. So, I, the, the, like, that's what I enjoy. So, you know, so much of, like, what the Twitter era is fantastic, of course, but it's also bad because people worry are worried to say things because they know that there's going to be, like, some backlash in some way. R- Richard Jefferson, to his credit, doesn't seem to care about that backlash, backlash in any way. He also said something about the Knicks, about how when he was with the Nets, they would beat the Knicks all the time, and then they would party in their city and, you know, do like, you know, Manhattan, obviously, whatever, but, like... He's, like, just throwing out trash talk to teams that aren't even playing right now. Just throwing it yeah. all out there. Phenomenal. That's all I want. That's I just want, I just want some insight and some S-talking and just some, a little enjoyment. And that, that was, yeah. it was a, a sterling performance for the first one. Really good. Really good. Um, yeah, no, uh, I agree. Um, so let's run through. So we've had one week of the season, Brian. The season is one uh, week old already. <laughs> Uh, wow, wow, wow. The Nets have played four games, <clears throat> and I wanted to just sort of dump out some of our thoughts, our initial sort of uh, observations and thoughts about this team as we move forward, uh, actually into a pretty interesting stretch. I mean, they just came off of the Pistons, the team that they barely lost to, are undefeated. Um, and the Nets have coming up games against the Pelicans, Warriors, Knicks, the Pistons again, the Rockets, and 76ers. This is all this mm. massive stretch so we're going to keep continue to learn a lot about this team um yeah what's been the biggest thing that has stood out to you like i mean i think it i would say karis lavert but what what is like the thing that like has really stuck out to you in the past four games um well first i well in on my way to answering that question i want to take some time to highlight um shabazz napier and ronda hollis jefferson our first glimpses into their respective games. So I guess my answer to that is like, I'm still, we're still building our case, right? Like, you know, I, I want to make big declarative statements about this, but like, you know, we still have those two guys presumably are going to be huge parts, you know, play huge minutes this season. Yeah. Um, and we only just got our first glimpses at them last night. Um, I really liked how, how I like how Ronde came back. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and uh, Shabazz Napier, a lot scrappier than I than I had imagined him being. He's like a he's like a little, you know, g- giving your the other guard fits kind of kind of defender. He's like he's kind of nasty. Yeah, and this team I, actually needed some guy like that, right? Because D'Angelo is not that. I've already seen a lot yeah. of like the I don't really care that much about defense type moves from D'Angelo. Uh, a little worried about that. You know, Dinwiddie can play defense and Lavert can really play defense, but Le, you know, it's kind of become obvious that Lavert is going to be relied upon to score a lot. Um, this team needed like that feisty guard who can go against Ish Smith or someone like you know like <laughs> right. they need like that little dude who just is gonna get in guys' grills yeah. and like maybe mess him up a little like he they, he had that play with uh, <clears throat> like he stole the ball from Colin Sexton Colin Sexton is already gonna become one of the most hated guards in the league because he oh he's exactly that way too he yeah. just presses dudes from the very beginning um, no chill at I, all on that dude yeah 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 and also like. It was so crazy, so insane that people were talking about Colin Sexton as like the Kyrie replacement when 
One. Who is talking about that? That was like that was a storyline coming out of the draft for some reason. Not that he was going to be as good as Kyrie, but like this is the point guard that will take over Kyrie, basically like be the next Kyrie-ish for Cleveland. That's like mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I didn't watch that much college basketball. I did watch some Alabama, and he was like he's intriguing, but he's not. He's basically the opposite of Kyrie where Kyrie is like this <coughs> maestro with the basketball Colin Sexton's more just like a bull and just like goes after dudes but like we've seen that before that's not I don't know Shabazz Napier are you went at him too so are you plugged into uh NBA like Twitter memes enough to know if people are talking about his like Padwan learner learner braid thing that he's got going on? I haven't seen that I did obviously I saw it last night and how yeah. what are your feelings about that um, <clears throat> well, if it's a direct reference to the Star Wars franchise, I'll, I'll like it a lot. <laughs> um, Dude, if, were you? Yeah. I'll admit, I was one of the kids that was like, "How can I get that? How can I get my hair to look like that?" No, oh god. I mean, it could never happen. I, 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 I mean, just I already knew at that age that it wasn't going to happen for me. That I wasn't going to be able to get like that the braid. And what a wild decision by George Lucas to be like. We're going to distinguish these people by, like, a slight rat tail. That That is yeah. what we're going to do. That's how, like... These... I mean, did you ever have rat tail kids in your, like, oh, middle school sure. or whatever? for sure. Yeah. yeah, we had a couple. Yeah, yeah. and kind of got to say, I've always, like, you know, I understood. Yeah. Like, it, it was a good look. Yeah. It was a good, solid look. I, I think it works a lot better off to the side like that. When it comes right down... Right down right, uh, Main right Street. Right down your spine. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, I feel like that's a I don't know, slightly more uncomfortable for me. Um, but, yeah, the, the pad one off to the side thing is it's a little slicker. Well, I, and I wonder, like, what their plans are with Napier because – well, so Travion Graham looks like – so there's – did you see all this weirdness about his injury, Travion Graham? Yeah. Why Why could this possibly be? Why, why does this always happen to us? So if, if you don't know, Shams tweeted out that Travion Graham is going to be out two months because I think it was like a, a hip tear. You said a tor, torn hamstring. Torn hamstring. Which is more than two months, honestly. Like, that, like that's a weird thing to say. Because if you tear your hamstring, that's a huge injury. Right. It, it, it's a hamstring's a pretty big part of your leg, and yeah. that's a bad injury. But then um, Kenny Atkinson was asked about it specifically. You know, we, this report's out there about the torn hamstring. Atkinson says, "Well, that's a sprain. It's it is a sprain." And whoever reported that, I don't know what where he's getting his information. He must be getting it from deeper inside the building than I am, because um, that's not the case. Basically, he was basically saying James's report was false. Um, just another weird Nets injury news. Like, like why can we never seem to trust what's happened? Like, we, there's no sense of how injured these guys are. It's like Damari Carroll. We didn't really know how injured he was in the preseason. Then he gets surgery right before the season, and then he's just out. And we don't really have any sense of when he's going to come back. It's just like another weird thing. But like, so yeah. Travion Graham being out, they were kind of re- they weren't relying on him, but because Rondé was out, and Napier was out, they relied <laughs> on him somewhat. Um, like, what are they going to do with Napier? Like, what is Napier's role on this team? Do you think? Um, I mean. I see for him being like the sort of logical, like, you know, second team point guard leader, bro. Um, and having Spencer Dinwiddie kind of slot into the, you know, more dynamic playmaker role that he kind of like fills in here and there, plays with the starter some, plays with the backup some. Um, and, 
Yeah, I I, th- I feel like it's a pretty easy transition to go like with um, Levert at the three, Dinwiddie at the two, Napier at the one for for that lineup, um, yeah. and and be intermixing you know people in throughout. Um, I don't get the sense that there's going to be ever like a clear division between starters and backups on this team, or like backups and third string. I feel like this t- for the first time in a long time, there's enough depth that you know you're going to see some pretty weird DNPs. Um, or just like you know, get you know some some shallow minutes for like you know players who you were used to seeing a lot of minutes that are like occasionally I bet you're gonna see like you know Dinwiddie like you only play like ten or fifteen minutes in in favor of you know somebody else. Um, just because now we po- we can do that now. Um, we saw our first Kenneth Fareed <laughs> uh, junk minutes yeah, or did we pretty was productive? That, yeah. I mean, I think it was like eight points in seven minutes or something. Um, um. So, what's the deal with that dude? I don't. Are they just bummed out because of his like because of the weed thing, or like what's? Well, so are they, I like, did hear so hazing him for Atkinson that. Atkinson was on Mike Francesa's show, and he was talking like Francesa did actually ask him. He said, "How you know what's what's your rotation going to be like? What's the number of guys you're really going to play?" And he said, "You know, Atkinson said nine to ten is really what I like because if you do any more than that, people are just going to be everyone's going to be mad they don't have enough minutes." And you really can't have too wieldy of a rotation. Was essentially what he's mm-hmm. saying. It's like, if that's the case, then Fareed isn't going to get minutes. You know, it's like, you because you have to play the, all the guards. Like, if you're going to play Napier, then you're basically playing all those point guard types. There's four of them if you count Lavert as a point guard type. Lavert, Dinwiddie, D'Angelo, and Napier. So there's four guys. You have Crab and Joe Harris. There's six guys. Rondé, when Damari's back, that's eight. Um you know, Ed Davis and Jared Allen, that's 10. And then, you know, other guys are going to be getting other minutes, like various, depending on matchups. Like, for maybe just Fareed is, has been told that he is just not going to play. Um, and he may get some minutes in some games. And if there's an injury to Ed Davis or Jared Allen, you may get more minutes as a center. Uh, I, you know, do I agree with that? I, I guess I do, just because. I'm not like hungry for Kenneth Freed to play, and I think he the way he plays isn't exactly what the Nets want. But I still think he's going to be like if you played him, he would get points and buckets, like or points and rebounds. Like he would just accumulate stats because that's what he does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he just isn't a part of this rotation, and I don't think he's going to be unless there's a big injury, and hopefully that doesn't yeah. happen. I'm reminded of one last interesting, um, <clears throat> not interesting. I thought I had. Uh, I really like the potential of the ed davis ronda hellas jefferson like um like really unattractive basketball duo <laughs> um <laughs> the way the way that like those two play together is pretty hilarious because like ronda will make his you know sort of you know the herky-jerky move that everyone talks about um and he has these really unorthodox attacks at the rim that you know he kind of relies on getting his own offensive rebound a lot of the time and like his own like putbacks it's just like it's never a super clean just drive to the rim and finish and ed davis is like kind of a perfect uh person to be like crashing the boards on those on those plays with um because they just like the two of them just bounce it off each other and like bounce it together it just like creates so much havoc in just like that little area for such a short amount of time and then just more often than not they're you know graspy enough and, and have good enough hands to to finish the play out but it's just so funny to watch those those moments where where the two of them are just like we're we're gonna take fi- like five shots <laughs> at this at this thing happened like three times last night 
I hope I hope it continues. And I hope they have a lineup like I do want to do a pod at some point. Like we need to do our excitement rankings, like rank the players in terms of how exciting we like we enjoy their you know the enjoyment rankings or excitement rankings. But like a lineup of Ed Davis, Rondé, Karutz, um, I guess John and Musa and anyone like put any other point guard out there. But like I want Karutz, Rondé, and Ed Davis all sort of being on the floor at the same time, all doing very weird things. Not that Ed Davis does weird things, but like you're saying, he he stays in the paint. Like, he stays in the painted area. He does screens up top, and then he'll go down and try to get rebounds. I want to see that lineup and see people just lose their minds because they're just used to everyone standing around the three-point line at this point. That you're going to have three dudes mm-hmm. that are just going to be like, mm, we're going to the hole, or we're kind of doing our weird goofy. We're, we're going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kuritz uh, and, and Ronda Hollis-Jefferson alone, like, don't, it's it's really funny just just to see like how do how does one explain Rondé Hollis Jefferson's game when when people who are not Nets fans ask me like is Rondé good I'm like yeah he's good he's like he's really good and they're like why what does he do it's like I don't know yeah. that's that's, the, that's that's difficult to say really he just like yeah. p- provides effort at times he bursts of energy yeah. and he plays defense but we're really not sure how good of a defensive player he is and it's a good time also a good time real quick and we're not we're not gonna talk about it that much Alan Williams. I've been a fan of Alan Williams. Have you? His he's been a nice bench celebrator, not in terms of um, histrionics, histrionics, or whatever the phrase is. <laughs> he's he he's the first guy out there to clap and uh, celebrate his teammate after they make a good play. The first guy, and he has a big smile yeah. on his face. I like his attitude. You know, I like the cut of his jib. He, I'm um. I'm enjoying Alan Williams as bench player. I think it's it's a crucial moment. Um, this team has some interesting dudes. I think John and Moose is going to do some stuff on the bench that is probably going to offend the other team. Um, and I appreciate all of that. And so, Alan Williams, good good for you. I think it was Theo Pinson, but I can't be sure, had a nice, like, jig that he yes. was doing yes. um, repeatedly, which I can, get, I can get behind. And, you know, they're all understanding the role, and that's also uh, part of their role yeah. as the bench, bench mob unit. Um, Brian, where should we go from here? What do you want to talk I don't about? Know. We got any news around the league? What have you been watching? What have you been? Who other? Which other teams? What are your league pass teams? Well, I got I got pretty lucky. I was doing laundry, Brian, and on NBA TV was the 76ers Pistons game, the game where Blake Griffin had 50 points. Um, totally enjoyable. Um, the fact that like the Pistons being this good obviously is crappy for the Nets. I mean, not that they're this good, but they're playing well. It's crappy for the Nets because they're sort of one of the teams. Dude, this is a meme. They do this every year. The Pistons yeah. did this last year. Yeah, and, and there's just so much that, like, I think it was last season that the Orlando Magic started off pretty well. Like, Aaron Gordon was shooting 60% from three, and then it just cratered, right? So, hmm. like, I almost take more comfort in uh, the Nets' 2-2 two and two start than I would if I was a Pistons fan for a 4-0 and o start because, like, the Nets are doing what they're supposed to do, right? They're They're, like... It's so typical. Like, they go and they play a tough game against the Pistons, and they lose, but, like, whatever. And then Karis LeVert has that ascendant game, and he he basically wins the game in game two of the season. Then they play the Pacers, and a game that we're not going to talk about much because, well, it wasn't that much. It's not stupid. That was a stupid game. Yeah, Forget stupid that game. Back-to-back, back, on the road. Um, you know, and, like, the, the Pacers are a tough team for the Nets because – how the Nets are going to win is by being sort of like the most active team and the most like hard effort team. Right. So when you play the Pacers, the Pacers are that, but better. Like they, they have that, but they have better players. So it's just not, they're not going to beat a team like the Pacers all that often. 
But then they play the Cavs, and that Cavs game was crucial because, again, they have that tough stretch coming up with the Pelicans and Rockets and all that, the Warriors and all that stuff. You're on the road. You're against a team that some people think is just as good as you are, and you have to win those road games against teams that actually are worse than you if you're going to compete at all for an eighth seed. And that was a big game. They they blew them out. The third quarter was what was it like thirty eight to seventeen in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So I take more comfort in the, in the Nets sort of two and two. Like I, it's expected, and it shows me that I that my prediction that they're a, possibly around. They're not going to be five hundred, but like maybe close to five hundred, makes sense. Where like the Pistons, they're getting like superstar performances from Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson's like been okay being off the ball. And Blake Griffin scored 50 points in a game, which is, of course, not sustainable. Hashtag not sustainable. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it makes our it makes our pretty close loss to them look all that much better, too. Can I say this too? Um, the um, the <clears throat> LeBron. So I'm not against LeBron going to the Lakers, but like, it's sort of lame, right? It's sort of just like. It's not exciting in the way that, like, if he had decided to go to San Antonio for some reason, or just some, like, off-the-wall decision. It was more exciting when he went to Miami than him going to Lakers now, just for that super team that he formed in Miami. But, like, my NBA watching enjoyment is actually way up that him being on the Lakers, because that Lakers oh, team— Oh, dude, I've been watching a bunch of Lakers games all of a sudden. It's, it's super fun to watch. That team is just, like, really enjoyable. Like, they—JaVale yeah. McGee is, like— playing pretty well and and they're also complete knuckleheads too it's perfect it's so good lance still does lance things like he doesn't he didn't tone down his lanceness if anything no, he amped none it of, up none of them have nobody's like we're taking ourselves more seriously now because of the you know the situation is is uh is super important no they're like we're exactly who you thought we were and like rondo is never going to be anyone but rondo right like he's gonna like and i love can't, I mean, can't be and I love the, of course, everyone loves, I mean, if you don't love this, then, you know, whatever. But the, the Rockets-Lakers fight was just, it's, this has been like a really chippy start to the season overall. Like, I've seen a lot of Dude, weird did you, stuff. Did you see how he was, like, denying that he spat on Chris Paul's face? Like, there's a video, <laughs> I saw the spittle, like, in, it's like, it's just a little bit. And, like, to, like, but, like, I saw the spit. Did you not see the spit? I I still been trying to look for that angle. Have do you, is there a video out there that definitive? Yeah, there's a slow. Spit? So you have to you have to really. It's like the little spit of you know the little flakes of of spit, and it just catches the the light for a half a like just the a, a briefest of moments. But it's really Chris Paul's reaction to it that you can tell is like. He got spat on because he, he flinches. Yeah. He's like, and then he pieces it together and then gets immediately like angry. It's like exactly how you would respond to being spat on the face. And, you, and he just says, you can see the words, you spit on me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's Brit, What was Ingram's deal? What was he? What was he do? Like, why was he so pissed off? Why was he flying? Yeah, he was like Dulce. He was like Dulce from Street Fighter. <laughs> he was like the kid with those arms. That arm just came out of nowhere. It went on forever. <laughs> <laughs> He's just flinging it out there, just like jabbing people in the back of the head. Um, yeah, it was a, hit him with so, the yoga fire, and like so. That's part of the Lakers' enjoyment too. Is that like you're just having like it's a weird mix of players. LeBron is there. Like that's also the thing. Is that like in the middle of this sort of a cesspool of talent is you know the greatest player of his generation, who 
there was like moments where they shown I think I've seen them on like NBA TV where like they do that kind of like behind the scenes type of game animal where they have the guys uh you know mic'd up and whatever and LeBron is like telling his guys hey in this moment we got to do this this and this you know like trying to give them his knowledge but then then they just do whatever they want like I think Lonzo and Ingram and Josh Hart probably listen to LeBron but Lance and Rondo and like those guys I mean, you know, they're just they're going to do what they've been doing for the past 10 years. They're just going to do weird stuff on the basketball floor. And it's made yeah. again. Like could would you say that the Cavs under LeBron were an entertaining team? I wouldn't, you know. No, no, they were painful to watch actually. So they just had shooters and LeBron and like that I mean, not painful to watch. I mean, obviously watching LeBron is, you know. It's it's fine. Actually, it's just fine. It's like a fine experience. It's not – there's there's moments of basketball greatness there where you're, you know, you're just seeing a maestro, like, at his at, at his peak. It's it's fun. When he's doing those, like, cross-court passes, it's like, wow, there's some, some real mastery here. Well, and that was the problem with that team was that, like, the guys he had running with him were <clears> – they couldn't run. Like, they just – they weren't running. Like, he's never – LeBron's never been a guy who actually, like, runs. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Miami, they were still sort of like a slow-it-down type team. Um, this team, not that they really run, but – they just have like a bunch of weird athletes, and I love it. It's just it, now, mm-hmm. now the Lakers are like a top five must watch. Where I don't, I wouldn't say yeah. the Cavs were a top five must watch under LeBron. Now, and they're also even they're a lot worse than I thought they were going to be. You yes. know, they're like they're yes. like actually not good. Yes. <laughs> that's the that best. is so that is like that's the story. To be honest, that's the storyline that every like NBA writer wanted. Not, not yeah. that the well, the Lakers being undefeated would be the best. Um, but the Lakers, um, sorry, one sec. I had an email from work. The Lakers being undefeated would be the best because Lakers fans would be going freaking nuts, and they would just be out of their minds uh, how excited they would be. They would be consuming every Lakers article. Um, the fact that Le- the the Lakers just got their first win and their first win was against the Phoenix Suns is even is mm. is almost as good. It is so yeah. delicious <laughs> because it lets you do. Is Luke Walton the right coach for this team? Did LeBron screw yeah. up by going to the like? You, oh my God, it is so delicious. I hope it continues. Mm. I hope it continues. Just I hope they. I hope they're like. It can't. How could it not? You know, like the, with that team, how it's structured. It's it's so insane on paper that it can only ever be insane. Well, and let me just pull up their schedule real quick because I was listening to a podcast about it where it was like, if they didn't win this Phoenix game, they may go on a streak of where they just don't win any games. So they go at San Antonio. At man, eh, no, their schedule's not that hard. Because they play Denver at home, which Denver's good, but that's at home. TNT game Thursday night. Is that tonight? Yeah, that's tonight. Um, San Antonio, Minnesota, Dallas, Portland, Toronto, Minnesota. And so it's fine. You know, like there's some wins in there. Should be some wins. But, like, let's say they come out of that and, like, they don't beat Minnesota at Minnesota. They, they you know, Dallas scares them at home for some reason. You know, it's, this is just yeah. – this is what we want from the NBA, right? Like, we want this – sort of like drama and this awfulness oh that's so great I'll, I'll say though their point uh differential um you know is like uh minus 0.5 so they've they've all of their losses have been pretty close right so they might they might actually be okay i don't know maybe we're wrong no we should temper our <laughs> no we're right yeah okay. we're right um yeah. all right so the nets have a pretty tough schedule coming up so you know we're gonna learn a heck of a lot more about this team um I'm enjoying it though because I think they're uh, they're a fun team. Levert's been a revelation, and we'll talk more about him in the next few pods. And uh, 
Brian, right now the Nets sit at two and two. The Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic all also sit at two and two. Uh, the Orlando Magic are the fifth seed right now in the NBA. So the Nets mm. technically are tied for fifth in the are yeah. in the uh, Eastern Conference. So the Nets are a playoff team as of today, potentially. Potentially, yeah. All right. Awesome. We did we it. We did it. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back at your ears as soon as possible. Um, find us on netsdaily.com, Almighty Baller, and at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Brian, good night. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. I had a, <clears throat> I had a blast. Thanks for being here. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah, boy. <laughs>